Let's do it. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 18 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, where we discuss all the goings-on of the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. This week's XEP recorded on February 9th, 2020. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost, and this week we'll be chatting about the latest comments from head of Xbox, Phil Spencer, in reference to Stadia and Amazon being primary competitors. We'll chat about Dan Hauser's departure from Rockstar and offer a review discussion on Zombie Army 4 Dead War. Enjoy, guys. Yet another week of gaming news is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP episode 18. It's lovely to have you guys along for the ride, whether it's your week or weekend. I hope it is going well for you. Before we begin on this week's topics, I must indeed say a wonderful thank you to Christian Cooper of Steel Series for giving us incredible insight into the world of PR and how PR interacts in the world of the Gamerverse for a company as big and major as Steel Series. It makes perfect sense with Xbox expanding into the PC realm and trying to access so many screens and so many devices that we would look into how a company that is traditionally more PC-based might interact in the console space, particularly also as we see keyboard and mouse coming to console, as we see SteelSeries work with Sony, with Microsoft, with Nintendo in entering that console world. It was wonderful to have an insight into that. And if you missed that interview, do indeed go back and check it out because it was a wonderful one. I will say indeed we are looking forward to more interviews on XEP throughout the year. Uh, worth noting, XEP is four months old at this point. We've already talked to some wonderful ID at Xbox developers, Steven Spawn of Able Gamers, Christian Cooper of SteelSeries, as for mentioned. Uh, it has been a wonderful ride thus far, and I hope you will join me as I continue on it. Now we have a number of news topics to talk about going into this week, and I think we'll begin with Dan Hauser. Dan Hauser of Rockstar has decided to leave Rockstar. Rockstar, of course, famous for Red Dead Redemptions 1 and 2, along with the incredible GTA series uh, that continues to sell just monumentous amounts and is recently added to Game Pass. Now, Dan Hauser, as reported by Jason Schreier, is one of the primary voices of Rockstar, one of the primary people involved, one of the two people, the Hauser brothers, involved in what, what is essentially everything that it is that Rockstar does. Rockstar, their, their products are the apex of gaming. They've done an incredible job at creating worlds in which the player can truly live in beyond any other, beyond The Witcher, beyond Zelda Breath of the Wild. They capitalize on a number of different aspects. The driving is incredible. The shooting is above tier, I would argue, for the gaming industry. They bring immersive and expansive content each and every month to GTA Online. They've done a wonderful job at creating a narrative in Red Dead Redemption. It may not have been fun for everybody, may not have been traditionally exciting, but quality, it's at the absolute apex of, and, and peak of the gaming industry. And Dan Hauser is one of the two people responsible for that quality. He is now exiting Rockstar's culture and exiting Rockstar overall. For some background on Dan Hauser, you should know that he's a bit of a recluse when it comes to the gaming verse. Doesn't enter into many interviews, doesn't go out to many conventions. He's not someone that the traditional gamer of casual interest might know much about. So for him to be leaving, there's a lot of speculation, a lot of thoughts that 
come to mind for a number of different people throughout the industry uh, in the, the journalistic sense, but this is a huge culture shift for Rockstar. Rockstar, of course, also known for huge amounts of crunch and getting that Apex top tier quality out to gamers. They crunch a lot. They crunch nonstop. They bring the finest bits of detail to every single aspect of gaming and with crunch culture uh, appropriately under the eyes of a number of gaming uh, voices, I suppose, in the social social media verse did not escape anyone that Rockstar was uh, a primary factor in that. So you have to wonder why it is that Dan Hauser is leaving. What was the reason for it? Jason Trier also reporting that Rockstar's culture has been rapidly improving since Kotaku first reported on that crunch culture in 2018. That's a good sign as well. We may be able to read into this as saying, all right, Hauser, you don't do a lot of interviews, you make a lot of games, but you don't make them very often, and we're not able to capitalize on a more regular release window. We make lots of money, we want to make more money. That could be one way to take it. Another way to interpret this is simply that Dan Hauser's had enough. He might just be tired. There is certainly no doubt that he is financially very capable of just resting on a beach for the rest of his career. And maybe that's what he wants to do. Maybe it's not. Whatever it is that Mr. Hauser wants, he certainly can seem to get it in a materialistic sense. And you have to wonder if, if Rockstar and their parent company Take-Two just want more regular release dates. We've seen you know, Naughty Dog turn out how many games in the time it takes for GTA 5 to proliferate and at times it, take, it takes for GTA 6 to come out. Is GTA Online the new marketplace, the new way that Rockstar is going to be trying to capitalize on that franchise and just hold off on a numbered sequel until they need it? Lots of questions, lots of questions that come from this, but there is no doubt that his leaving does bring an impact to Rockstar's continued culture, whether it improves or declines in the next few years. Do, you, do, do we need his talent in the gaming industry? I would argue, yes, we do. There, this also makes way for new voices. Anytime you have somebody uh, of the caliber of a Hauser, it's like you know an incredible coach exiting from a pro league. It makes way for new and young blood, new ideas, new thoughts, new prospects. At the same time, you are losing a bit of that homage, a bit of that legacy. So we'll see what happens for Rockstar. We'll see what happens for Dan Hauser. We'll see if he pops back up in the news, if there's any revealing interest-level stories that come out for why he left, what the reasons were, whether they be malicious, or just simply uh, benign and, and no big deal to it. Nonetheless, I am keen to watch what happens with Rockstar in the years going forward because I was not one to jump in on Red Dead Redemption 2 despite absolutely loving Red Dead Redemption 1. There is something about the simulation aspect of games that when it becomes too real, the power fantasy of playing a video game declines for my personal interest. There's no doubt that Red Dead 2 certainly sparked a number of conversations for people throughout the gaming verse. And no doubt that it sold well, could have indeed sold better, could have interested more people. There's an argument for quality versus fun and where the balance is and where it needs to be in between there for the world of video games. A lot of discussions there. I do indeed hope you'll write in your thoughts on Twitter and let me know what it is you think. You can find me at Ghost. Let me know what you think of Dan Hauser's departure and whether or not it's going to have a rippling effect in the positive or a rippling effect in the negative going forward. In another week marching forward towards next-gen, Phil Spencer is again in the news for his comments and who he believes the primary competitors for Microsoft will be in the next-gen. And while it may surprise and raise eyebrows for some, it could be enlightening and encouraging for others. Phil Spencer stated that Nintendo and Sony are no longer the primary competitors for Microsoft's current business model and their foreseeable future business model going forward. 
the primary competition for Microsoft as they view it will be Amazon and Google. And this makes sense in a couple of respects, but I do want to point out that Phil Spencer stated he did have a ton of respect for Sony and for Nintendo and what it is they bring to the gaming verse, but it's a matter of reaching screens. And Amazon and Google do have a very different approach and a very different infrastructure set up to rival Microsoft with its Azure cloud and farming services or our cloud server farms that they can bring entertainment to screens. Microsoft has stated a number of times going forward that it wants to bring gaming to over 2 billion screens. And with 7 billion plus people on the planet and technology becoming more prolific every single day, that is not an unreasonable goal to have in the long term. Nintendo, for its part, is not equipped to bring entertainment, streaming or otherwise, to that many screens as they currently stand now. We've seen them struggle with an online infrastructure, with an online base, and simply how to handle the online gaming verse. They are incredible at bringing handheld technology to gaming. They're incredible with their IP. And they ha certainly have an extremely loyal fan base. We've seen that time and again, no matter how many Kirby games are released. Nintendo fans are loyal, and Nintendo excels at bringing content to them. Sony, for its part, did a fantastic job with hardware in this generation, but there are questions moving forward as to whether or not they are equipped for the cloud streaming verse. We know they bought Gaikai a while back, PlayStation View, PlayStation Now have both struggled in gaining an audience. But PlayStation is a big part of Sony's overall profit margins as a major company, whereas Xbox plays a smaller role in their cloud technologies, the Azure cloud servers, those are a huge aspect of Microsoft's giant business model with Xbox playing a small factor amongst it compared to the big picture. Now, when you compare that to rivals like Amazon, who are far more than just a marketplace, like Google, who are far more than just a YouTube server or a Google search engine, you have to imagine that Microsoft is considering to play a different game. They are working to play a chess game, while in some cases other manufacturers may be playing checkers, others may be just simply playing a on a different board altogether regardless of their intention. There's plenty of room for all at the table. However, I do think that Phil Spencer and the Microsoft model, they, they are correct in being concerned for Google and for Amazon because where there's dollars to be made, where there's a screen to be accessed, there is a consumer base and an interest level. We've seen with a couple of different initiatives going forward that Microsoft wants to access things far beyond hardware. We talked about the Series X quite a few times in the past few months since it's a re reveal at the Game Awards, and we consistently note every time we talk about the hardware, two topics tend to come up. Price and xCloud. And underneath those two umbrellas, forward and backward compatibility are, are factored in how you would bring games to people, the idea of an Xbox family of devices and games no longer being tied to specific hardware. If you have an Xbox family device, you're going to be able to play Halo Infinite, whether it's on a Series X, an Xbox One X, an Xbox One S, etc., these are encouraging signs showing that they are no longer concerned with hardware gating, that they do want to access a lot of different screens. And I, I like the comment. Now, it raised a lot of eyebrows for people because it's a major industry shift. Traditionally, you had two or three major hardware manufacturers competing with each other in that gaming verse. But Apple has existed in this gaming verse now for quite a while, even with its recent launch of Apple Arcade, and no one really thinks about it, but there are dollars being made with their with their services. There are dollars being made on that platform, and xCloud is not on, on iDevices. 
and yet Apple's doing quite well over there. You have to imagine what it is that Google, what it is that Amazon would bring to that competition and how Nintendo and Sony would react. But it seems that Microsoft is poised currently with its current business model to bring content to many screens with a number of different aspects, whether it be a hardware gate on over with a, an Xbox One or an Xbox Series X or its equivalent, Lockhart, what have you, in the future, or via Project xCloud. Those are encouraging signs, uh, and I'm I, I'm so keen to watch this next generation. Now, as I said, raised eyebrows for a number of different people, and a lot of people wrote in to the show, reaching out to me on Twitter at Instant Big Ghost, and let me know their thoughts. And I want to read a few of them on the show before we go any further and discuss what it is Microsoft might end up doing in the future. This first comment comes from Andy Macro, uh, who I so often say Andy, and I'm so sorry, Macro. My apologies. Uh, he says, "quote." He wasn't really talking about next-gen, but rather next frontier, being cloud. Obviously, Sony, who used Microsoft's solution, and Nintendo, who, when asked about their cloud solution, looked outside of the sky in confusion. Aren't there any? There aren't any competition in that area. Now, anti-macro is absolutely right. Sony has hired up Microsoft Azure servers to adjust and, and equip its cloud-based technologies going forward. And this was a business decision well beyond PlayStation and Xbox. This was the, the parent company Sony and the parent company Microsoft making a business deal, a smart one at that. So Antimacro is absolutely correct. Sony, not ready and not equipped for that cloud solution, looked to the technologies of Azure and said, this is what we need in order to continue our, our business going forward. Smart and wise. And Anti's joke about Nintendo not knowing clouds and, and what they are, totally agree with him. Have to agree, uh, certainly, that Nintendo is struggling in that particular arena, but do credit for selling units and IP. No doubt about that. I also like what Macro is saying about next-gen versus next frontier. Generations are fading away. We've seen that. They've become more iterative. I think more and more they will continue to become iterative, maybe even uh, component-based where you have expansions or whatnot. I don't, I don't know what the actual solution will be. I do know that we will not see hardware gating much longer. You won't be buying the Xbox Series X1, X2, X3, X4 in a traditional seven-year cycle, five-year cycle any longer. It's just simply not going to work that way. Eventually, the oldest model will fade away and certain software will not work and you'll go forward. I, for one, am encouraged by this uh, in a couple ways because game streaming, the xCloud project, has been so successful on my phone and my tablet that I am so excited for it to come to PC. So I don't need to have a, a peak top tier caliber PC in order to play the latest games or play a game that I am interested in. I just want to stream it. The technology works. It works. It works better than I would have ever thought. It's continuing to get better. Project xCloud is doing an extremely good job. And simply put, I want to see that continue. And as we, we, we jokingly talk about Google Stadia, deservedly so, because I think Stadia has stumbled on so many levels, not even refreshing its pro subscription for the original founder uh, buy-in consumers. They're not even doing any type of ambassador program there. I find that so shocking because they've not delivered on their promises. I, I don't know. They have the infrastructure, and should they continue, they are rivals to Microsoft's plan. And if they're not rivals, I wonder, I wonder genuinely if Sony, Amazon... Apple, Nintendo perhaps, would would maintain their, their, their power levels or their potential power levels going forward into this next frontier, this next gen. I have to wonder, if Google falls out, what does that do to the dynamic shift? Because Google doesn't always support their stuff, and if Stadia goes by the wayside, then you've got Amazon as Microsoft's primary competitor in their mind. How does Sony respond to that? There's a, interesting. 
Let's look at Bill Coniglio, uh, who wrote in, and I'll paraphrase just a bit as well. Uh, He said, I think most fanboys, of course, took it out of context. Microsoft is competing amongst the big service giants now. Sony is primarily making money on the console sales and exclusives. Nintendo can say they are not competition with anybody, and the internet just shrugs. While Microsoft says they're not in competition with Sony and Nintendo, there is outrage. Uh, no exclusive, PS4 sells more, on and on fanboy stuff. People need to be massive, to massively change their perspective on companies and priorities for success. Bill makes a good point, and I think it stresses the, the overall idea that if you want to engage in a, a fan conversation versus a fan argument, you will ad- adapt your conversation and what it is you're looking at for each of these news points. Uh, accordingly, if you want to have the schoolyard fanboy war discussion, you know, one's dead, one's dying, the other one's incredible, trying to justify your purchase. But I think going forward, the idea is for those who are just fans of gaming as a kind of a flat base gaming, this is all good news because... When you're not hardware-gated, when you're not bound to certain things, uh, you have access to more fun, and that is the key here. Project xCloud and Game Pass will work in conjunction to bring people into the gaming fold. The idea of Game Pass and all the studios they now have supporting uh, Xbox Game Pass will be you know, at least an exclusive per quarter of a large and small quality. I, I like that. I think it's a good sign. Game Pass continues to provide games uh, at a AAA tier, at a, an indie tier, and at the AA tier. And it's it's remarkable. I, if you'd asked me two years ago, I would never have thought the business model would work. But um, going forward into this next generation, you have to think that the sustained revenue model of building interest for DLC, whether it's microtransactions or expansions, is going to continue. You know, you've got the division, but do you want you know smaller things in the division too, or or loot boxes to come with it? Do you want the uh, the expansion or the DLC for Darksiders when you've got the original base game. Do you need it? How do we approach that going forward? EA Access broke the doors on this and stumbled a bit here and there because they didn't have the full portfolio. And Game Pass kind of seemed to learn from that, and they're bringing it forward. I also have to think that with an effort to bring access to more screens and with an effort, effort to reduce hardware gaming, with an effort to bring cloud gaming services on the level to compete with Google and Amazon like they're talking about, one of the key components of this will be a very subtle thing on the new controller, and that's the share button, something they were missing this entire generation. The share button allows people to dive in and look at a game with ease. More attention, more eyes on a product means you sell more of that product. I would argue it was the share button that truly excelled PlayStation after Microsoft got its got its world together when it came to hardware and got its price factor down and got its form factor looking good. That share button continued to pile and drive forward uh, the idea that PlayStation was better because people were sharing these screenshots from these wonderful exclusives. People were sharing video clips with far more ease, and it's a pain in the butt to share a clip from Xbox. I do it all the time. My Twitter is full of clips from games that I enjoy or things I want to share with people but it's a pain in the butt. You got to hit the Xbox menu button and then you got to tap X or Y very quickly in order to, to make it capture what it is you want to capture. That's not intuitive. And so I would imagine that share button in the next gen will be hugely important for people. We've seen how many how many in apps in the mobile space, how many apps in the mobile space are based on screenshotting or quick film clips. And they, they share out, they proliferate, and people dive in and, and flock to that idea. I think in this next gen, that's going to be a huge benefit for Microsoft to at the very least even the playing field. They need to get their exclusives in order. That's not a new conversation. We've had that many times. But with a service-based type 
concept that they're working towards. I think they'll have no issues competing on a level with Amazon, on a level with Google, competing on a far more uh, even playing field with Sony going forward. Now they just got to launch well, and that's the real trick. You got to message and launch well with Series X so that you don't damage the goodwill mindshare you've built up in the past two years. Uh, to really capitalize on sales because the Xbox One sales have flatlined, they've died, they're done. That that conversation, I believe, is now over and it's about accessing screens. We will see. But I liked the comments. They didn't bother me in any hugely negative sense. I wasn't uh, damaged or hurt by it. I did indeed see what Bill was talking about when it came to uh, fanboy wars and those conversations continue to fail me. I don't. I, I, it's just not my interest level. I don't enjoy uh, diving into the YouTubes with, oh, break it down. What does he mean? This, that. Nah, it's not my jam. Not, not for me. No doubt about it, with the holiday season behind us and AAA games being delayed to summer or later, it is the time for AA games to shine. And can I tell you right now, I love it. I love AA games. I would rather swim in sevens than play 110 a year all day long. And that's become a big joke for me, I suppose, in, in a bit, but I'm so indeed serious about it. There is so much fun to be had in the games that might have slipped under your radar, slipped into your backlog, or maybe not been just the right one for you. But think about this. You dive into Game Pass, you, your, your favorite games are delayed, you're looking around and you see Darksiders, you see a Plague's Tale Innocence, you see what may be a Sniper Elite game, and a Sniper Elite game is exactly the one I want to talk about in the form of Zombie Army 4. I have been playing this game from Rebellion, it just came out, discounted price, double A, not quite your 10, not at all 5 or below. This game is a blast of campy, silly, B-movie action fun. If you've played the Sniper Elite games or a Zombie Army Trilogy game, you know for sure that it has a slow motion x-ray cam and a whole lot of people lining up real slowly so you can hit them. And I adore it. Uh, Zombie Army Trilogy was originally an expansion to the Sniper Elite V2 franchise. It became an expansion and then people liked it and so they made a second one and then they made a third one and in the third one you took Hitler down to hell and killed him there because it's he that was raising the zombies uh, and what better demographics to take out in a video game than Nazis and zombies. And I'm having a blast with Zombie Army 4 Dead War. I'm moving through, I know what I'm getting, I'm, I'm slow motion killing things, I'm playing horde mode, they've done a great job with co-op, and you're moving through all types of, of European landscapes as Carl, the, the zombies are still being raised, you've got all types of hellscapes, it's the perfect precursor when you know Doom Eternal's on the horizon as well. Uh, but you're moving through this third-person shooter and taking out zombies in any number of ways. You've got traps that you can lay out that, are, that you shoot them and they activate electricity. You've got zombie sharks swimming through the, the, the streets of Venice, which is just wild to see. Zombie tanks, which makes absolutely no sense. And it's B-movie gritty fun. It's, uh, it's one of those things that you, you just turn on and turn your brain off. And that's what I've been doing, listening to podcasts, watching TV shows on my tablet, and playing through Zombie Army 4. The Horde mode, fantastic. It's a new addition to it. Uh, and, and the co-op mode has been a good old time. You can turn the x-ray cam on or off, and people can spect spectate your, your different aspects of it. Uh, I dove in, and I got the, the special edition just because I wanted to support Rebellion. I like Rebellion. They're, they make fun stuff. Um, gold weapon skins and, and different characters with different class abilities. It's been fun, and it's the right time of year to dive in and play those sevens, the right time of year to play those double-A loving games uh, that are such a good time. 
with our major games being delayed, with Doom Eternal so far out. I think Doom Eternal is the closest AAA game we have to us, and so I am having a good old time with Zombie Army 4, and I'm looking forward to Darksider Genesis, a game that I am ecstatic to play. I even debated checking out Stadia for that sole purpose. I did not, mind you, uh, but I am very excited for Darksiders Genesis to arrive on Valentine's Day, the day of love, and one that I'm looking forward to so that I can play Darksiders Genesis. But Zombie Army 4, not a ton to say about it. I've streamed it over on Mixer. I've had a good time with it. I am having a good time with it. A little bit tough to find a match here and there as the lobbies are slow to populate at the moment. But I would imagine, without a doubt, that this game will eventually end up on Game Pass because we do see Rebellion kind of leak there and drop their stuff onto there at times. Strange Brigade was on there. Sniper Elite 4, I believe, is still on there. Sniper Elite 3 was on there. I mean, that. They make fun double-A games. What can I say? And I'm having a good old time with Zombie Army 4. I would encourage you, if any of that sounds fun, go check out a, a viewpoint on it. And, you know, speaking of games that might have gone onto your radar, I talked about it a few weeks ago, Journey to the Savage Planet. That game is still a blast. It's still fun to be searching around that silly world. Uh, so now is the time, man. Clear out that backlog. Go check out newer stuff that might be, you know, budget-priced or a bit cheaper or available on a subscription service. Go play those. AAA is far away. Have a good time with it. Play something silly. Play something fun. I enjoy the OP fantasy of video games, and, and those types of games do that for me. That's how, that's how I tend to enjoy them and look for them. Listener topics and questions. We had a couple people write in this week, and I snagged two of them for debate and for discussion. The first question comes from the always supportive Todd Oxtra. I hope you're doing well, Todd. Thank you for always being so wonderful and writing in. He says, with rumors of the initiative potentially making a quad A game uh, a perfect dark reboot, do you think this is a mistake? Should their efforts be focused on a fully new IP that ushers in a new era? Perfect dark is tarn a tarnished brand and doesn't seem to be what they need, end quote. That's a wonderful question, Todd. And we have been seeing more and more things pop up from the initiative that quad A studio. We're seeing more and more people get hired there of incredible caliber that have uh, wonderful resumes that tend to get spotlighted when we do see a new hire over the initiative phil spencer's talking about them uh, capitalizing on old things and making them new again making them wonderful whether or not it's a perfect dark reboot and whether or not the perfect dark is a tarnished brand or they should focus on a new ip uh, todd with respect i'm not too concerned about it to be honest with you we don't know enough to to worry ourselves with it perfect dark is in some ways a tarnished brand but at the other way in, in another way it's not it's old enough that no one really cares about it it's one of those things that kind of like mirror's edge remember everybody talked about mirror's edge and it just kind of faded to the background when a new one came out it's one of those things that gets uh, a lot of traction in social media but i would argue that the average consumer walking into target or logging into xbox live is not concerned about perfect dark doesn't know the difference of it rare replay does offer some some opportunity there but i don't think people truly care about perfect dark i don't i don't see that brand as tarnished i see it as gone and dead kind of like jade empire and mech, mech assault they mean a lot to guys like you and me but to the average consumer they don't really seem to matter much so Whatever it is that the initiative is truly working on, I can imagine two things. One, they've got a major primary team that they're going to be building, and they'll have a small sub-team doing something else. We've seen them take that route with Obsidian, with InXile, with a couple other studios under the Microsoft Game Studios, the Xbox Game Studios brand and umbrella. They've got a major primary team and then a smaller team doing something. So whether or not it's a perfect dark reboot or not, I, I don't truly care at this point it would take some some screenshots and some in-game video in-engine video for me to truly be diving in i do know and recognize that microsoft needs to continue building new ip they cannot continue to go back to the well with halo with gears i think gears needs to take a break as much as i love gears 5 
It just didn't do what they wanted it to do. So I think they need to let some of their old brands rest and then create something new. I see you see that with Hellblade 2 and the way they're marketing that, pushing that as almost a new exclusive IP despite it being a sequel. It feels different. It looks different the way they're handling it. So I would imagine they are not immune or or, or they're not negligent to the idea that they need to bring new IP. I My gut tells me that the initiative is not working on Perfect Dark. But again, like all things this early out when we know so little, the smallest little detail might change the conversation in its entirety. They know they need a new IP. I don't care if it's the initiative or another studio. I'd love to see what the Coalition does when it's not a Gears of War game. It's time to bring new IP into the fold, and they are aware of that. Uh, they've got the smaller teams bringing stuff out there. Grounded is a, is a recent example of it. Bleeding Edge, a recent example of it. But yeah, we need a new new AAA or better uh, IP that is not one from the well, not a sequel, because they need to compete on that level and, and continue to sell those subscription services, xCloud, Game Pass, etc. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but I do not see par- Perfect Dark as tarnished. I want to be very clear on that. Perfect Dark does not seem like a tarnished brand to me for the mass consumer, for, for some small communities, perhaps vocal, perhaps not. Maybe. So it goes. The next question comes from Hypecaster. Hypecaster, of course, by the way, I, I it's time to give a shout out to the Hypecaster. If you are unaware, the video that I post each and every week over on Twitter at InsipidGhost that announces my new episodes, that, that kind of takes sound bites and splices from an interview or from a topic that I've discussed, that video is his creation. And we have a new one going up this week, something that he has done an immaculate, fantastic job. And I would encourage you, whether you have a Twitter account or not, Go to twitter.com slash insipidghost. Check out my Twitter handle uh, and the posted pinned video for this episode. That is a new video that Hypecaster has produced. He continues to do an incredible job spotlighting me. He and I co-streamed some Zombie Army 4 the other day. He's a wonderful friend. Uh, Please do go check out his work and follow him on Twitter at Hypecaster. Uh, And his question that he wrote in uh, was, as these companies compete in the digital space, will we see a reduction or increase in game price? It was always a head-scratcher why cutting out physical disc box, shipping, retail costs, etc. didn't didn't carry over to the benefit of the buyer. We can't resell digital game rights now, perhaps later. Mm, Hypecaster, I I disagree with you, and per usual, we gotta go toe to toe with you, my friend. I don't think it's a head scratcher at all why we didn't see game cri- game prices go up with the the rise of digital sales and the reduction of physical sales costs with shipping and boxing and and whatnot. Simply put, games are more expensive to make than ever, and we did not see a price increase in the Xbox One PS4 generation. We did see that game increase. In the Xbox 360 era, from 50 game $50 to $60, but we didn't see it in the most recent generation, and the rise of digital did help help offset that. We've seen games now cost more and more money, more and more marketing, what have you, to bring the product of a high caliber to gamers, and so I think that is where the the head scratcher that you're talking about that's where those funds went now i will not argue one bit that we haven't seen companies mismanage a lot of that seeing companies take themselves under with a ridiculous marketing budget or poor uh poor a poor job creating an environment in which companies don't burn out of something so i think that it's a matter of of financial management but as far as why games didn't go up or will they go up i do not expect the price to go up again i think you would get too much outrage Given the current uh, political and financial climates of a couple different countries, the United States being a primary one that I'm speaking of, uh, so I don't see the prices going up on games. In fact, I see them maintaining or even going down in the next 15 years. Because as I said, you know, AA games, 
30 40 50 bucks indie games 5 10 20 sometimes 30 dollars uh, will it be triple a games staying at 60 i think so and i think they'll continue to monetize via dlc via surprise mechanics although to a limited extent and perhaps the season passes the battle passes will continue to offset costs for a number of places but if anything the race to the bottom has adjusted the way companies are financing and prioritizing the price of games and you look at look at something like apex tons of money being made on something like apex same with fortnite etc it's a matter of delivering content at a way that brings more people in and then making money off of a smaller quantity of those gamers and then again make use of that share button it's important uh, as to the second aspect of your question, we can't sell resell digital game rights at the moment, perhaps later. That is a great question, and it's one that's continuously come up throughout this generation because we saw the, the force-fed digital rights management, uh, the DRM versions in the early part, particularly for Microsoft, uh, of this generation that's winding down. But also we've seen companies experiment with how to handle it. I think perhaps uh, the return policies on Steam and the Epic Game Store are lead-ins to this idea that you might be able to trade in some of your library, but I don't see that as catching on as being a main thing. Uh, if anything, we tend to just fade away into the background games that we don't play anymore, and a lot of them don't become playable anymore. So unless we find a way to continuously support older games, I don't see people being able to trade in digital rights for them. The GameStop model hopefully is a thing of the past, and the onus is on gamers to be wise and on companies to make something worthwhile for people to buy into. I don't see a logic in trading in digital rights for games that I own. In my library, I own something like 450 games, but many of those came via subscription service or uh, free games that, that companies put out, codes given away, etc. So what's my right to trade in something I got with Games with Gold, PlayStation Plus, Nintendo Switch Online, if that's a, a factor for you? So I don't see people ultimately, I guess I'm arriving at my conclusion through my way talking through this. I don't see trading in rights to old games. Uh, if anything, I see people trying to find ways to continue to sell old games because uh, of music issues, licensing agreements, etc. How many old games are lost and can no longer be made money on because the, the verbiage of the contracts and the sales negotiations are gone or companies went under. So I actually see the opposite. I see old games is going to be available for far longer, but they just stay in your library perpetually and indefinitely. And I'm okay with that if the trend of getting them via subscription services maintains. So it goes. So it goes. Uh, I will note, real quick before we exit out of the show, Final Fantasy XV, Death Squared, and Wolfenstein Youngblood made their way into Game Pass. If you are planning to play any of those, would you write in on Twitter and let me know why? You can also email me at insipidghost at gmail.com. Let me know why you're diving in now on those games. Wolfenstein Youngblood was one of those AA budget games that used AAA engine. Didn't do too well, and now it's in Game Pass. Are you going to take the plunge on it? Final Fantasy XV has been available for so long with incredible DLC. People seem to love it. Uh, why are you diving in now on Game Pass versus getting it when it was on sale? I'm curious to hear your conversations. I've not played any of those three, so I am curious, but I don't know how. if I'm curious enough to boot it up. We'll see if it can tear me away from what I'm currently playing right now. Uh, I'm not sure, but if you are diving in, let me know what you think. Folks, you can find me on Twitter at InsipidGhost. You can find me on Mixer at Mixer.com slash InsipidGhost. You can email me at InsipidGhost at gmail.com. Above all else, I must say thank you for checking out the show. Thank you for sharing the show. Thank you for rating the show on your podcast service of choice. Those things really do matter, and I do appreciate it. Four months in, and I'm having a blast, and I hope you're enjoying it as well. That's it for me. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Take care.